This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello and welcome to The Twilight Show. My guest today is an educator based in Egypt, Hala Al-Matari. Hala is an experienced teacher trainer and academic director and a published novelist. We will be talking about her journey as a teacher and her work as a teacher educator in today's show. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out, with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to The Twilight Show, everyone. I'm Graham Stanley, speaking to you live from Mexico City. As I mentioned in the introduction on today's show, I'll be talking to Hala Al-Matari, based in Egypt, and she'll be talking about her journey in education with a special focus on teacher development. Hala is a certified teacher trainer and English as foreign language instructor who holds both the Cambridge University Train the Trainer qualifications. She's trained over 900 teachers and taught more than 3,000 learners over the past seven years. And she currently works as an academic director at an organization called Four Skills. As a teacher trainer, Halla used to run CELTA-based teacher training sessions and workshops for both novice and experienced teachers to help them develop, gain skills and confidence as educators. She has observed lessons and identified teachers' strengths and weaknesses, and she also provides feedback, advice, and individual coaching for teachers. Hala also collaborates with different teachers and teacher trainers and webinars to help inspire teachers all over the world. Teaching, uh, training, and developing teachers is her passion, and she aims to leave an impact not only with the teachers she trains, but also with the students they teach. As well as being an educator, Hala is a novelist with three novels so far published in 2014, 2016, and 2017. She's currently writing her fourth novel, which she is expecting to have published in 2023, later in the year. I'll be talking to Hala about all of this and more after the Teachers Talk radio news. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. This is T radio and this is teachers talk radio news bbc news reports on gcse results and the impact resets in english and maths could have on post 16 providers according to figures it 
published on the news website, over 160,000 pupils in England received grade three or below in maths, whilst 172,000 failed English language. The number of pupils not achieving grade four in English language is highest for a decade. The Association of Colleges has estimated that the extra GCSE resits could cost around £16 million for the year and highlighted the yo-yo effect the pandemic has had on resits, making planning a huge challenge. Julie McCulloch of Education Union Askell said resits were demoralising for students and reform of English and maths qualifications was badly needed. Last year, only 20% of those retaking a maths GCSE achieved grade four or above. The BBC also reported on GCSE pass rates in England, Wales and Northern Ireland as falling. The drop was steepest in England, but in Wales and Northern Ireland, grades were always meant to be higher. Analysis on the news website also indicates that in England, the gap between regions with lowest and highest proportions of GCSE passes has grown and that state schools had a steeper fall in pass rates than in private schools. Schools Week features a story on A-level results and the widening attainment gap between North and South. According to data published on its website, the North East now has the lowest proportion of A-star and A-grades, lower than pre-pandemic levels, at 22%. At the same time, London and the South East have recorded the biggest rises when compared to 2019. Labour's shadow minister said the results showed the failure of the government's levelling up agenda. The article discusses a range of factors which could contribute to the disparity across the best and worst performing regions, including existing long-term deprivation exacerbated by the pandemic, food insecurity made worse by the current cost of living crisis, and more usual factors such as attendance, device access and the use of catch-up schemes. Full details can be found on the Schools Week website. The Guardian also takes a look at academic outcomes for pupils, this time through the lens of those referred to social services during childhood. It states that data suggests these pupils are twice as likely to fail GCSE maths and English than other pupils. From a three-year period found 53% of teens who had been referred to social care did not achieve a grade four pass in both the GCSE subjects. This is in contrast to 24% in those not subject to a referral. The analysis was carried out by the charity Action for Children. It is the first study to examine referral rather than just those who receive support. Around 318,000 children a year are referred to social care, although many do not meet thresholds to receive support. The Guardian also featured comments from school leaders on the impact high levels of absence and poor mental health of pupils have had on outcomes for some. Many cited a lack of formal support for pupils and their families, contributing to further strains on school staff as they tried to plug gaps usually filled by other services such as social care and the NHS. Following on from its examination of regional disparity in academic outcomes across different regions, Schools Week also reports on proposals for elite six forms being given the go-ahead. The Eaton Star 16 to 19 Free Schools, a collaboration between Eaton College and Star Academies, will open in Dudley, Teesside and Oldham. This is part of the 15 new free schools announced by government in the last week. The aim is to improve education standards and get more pupils from the North and Midlands to Oxbridge. The Sixth Form Colleges Association has, however, 
warned that more sixth forms could lead to existing high-performing provision being unnecessarily disrupted. Eton College will provide financial and extracurricular support through its partnership with STAR. Education Secretary Gillian Keegan commented on the 15 new schools saying, we want to make more good school places available to families. The 15 schools also include two new university technology colleges, the first to be approved in five years, and a Brit School North to be opened in Bradford. The sixth form sector has reacted to the new plan saying that in the 55 education investment areas, there are already enough colleges and school sixth forms in the areas to meet need. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. So welcome back everyone and a warm welcome in particular to my special guest, Hala Al-Madari. How are you today, Hala? I'm fine. How about you? I'm very well, thank you. All right. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a nice day here in Mexico City. How about uh, the weather where you are? Well, currently in Egypt, it's it's hot, but it's not like as hot as it used to. So yeah, we're surviving, but it's such a beautiful country. Have you been here before? I have. I've been to uh, Egypt twice. I had the pleasure okay. of of going there once for tourism. Um, okay. Uh, the usual things, of course, but then I also went to Cairo for work for a week. So oh. I had. Uh, I remember one of the most amazing experiences I had actually was uh, I went to see a Beatles cover in okay. the, a, a little jazz club in Cairo. It was amazing. It was like fantastic. Okay. That's interesting. Was it like in Zamalek or something? Um, I it was. I can't remember exactly where it was. Um, to be honest, that my trainees had come from all over the region, and oh. some of some of them had not been able to see live music um, because of where they were living and and working for so long that they said to me in during the teacher training session, "Look, we're going to go and see this Beatles cover band." Um, because we're desperate to see uh, live music. Um, okay. And so I, with them, so I had no idea what I was getting myself in for, <laughs> but it was it was right. wonderful. Okay, anyway, that's good. So, um, so Hal, I used to start by asking my guests to talk about hey, how they became involved in education. So what was it that attracted you to become a teacher? How did you get started? Well, I'd say that it was a big fat coincidence. Um, I was in this phase back in 2016 where I didn't really know what to do with my career. And uh, when I was a college student, um, I used to like give like like tutor my colleagues. Mm -hmm. um, of course, that was like volunteering. So I had like some good delivery skills and people would listen to me. But I haven't really thought of like education or teaching English as a second language. Right. So one day I was like talking with my cousin. I was like, hello, why don't you like be a teacher? And I was like, mm, I don't think that I would be able to tolerate kids. And I remember him saying, who mentioned anything about kids teach adults? And I was like, okay, I can live with that. <laughs> so I started a plank in, in um, centers here in Egypt that would actually teach English as a language and um, then I joined the training. And during the training, actually, I, I, I thought that, wow, teacher training but I knew that early for me to think about it because I, I didn't really start the, 
the teaching career yet, but yeah, this is how it all started. It was a big fat coincidence. Wow. I was, I was actually, you know, I was going to move on to asking you about how you took the leap from being a teacher to become a teacher educator. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound like it was a gradual change. It sounds like it was something you identified from the outset that it was that you'd be interested in. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. Because I, I saw the teachers, the, the, the teacher trainer that was there back then. And I was like, wow, such a charismatic person. He had incredible delivery skills, great time management. And he was able to like, um, control the, the class perfectly and give clear instructions. And we were able to his lead. So I was like, you know what, maybe by the end of this year, I, I would actually start this. But I knew back then, because we have to be realistic, you cannot be a teacher trainer if you don't have teaching experience. Um, I knew that I have to start as a teacher first, gain uh, experience and knowledge, and then move comfortably to the teacher training department. Of course, of course. So how long were you a teacher then? Was it just adults, as you said, that you you taught English to? Yes, yes. And teenagers, I would say. And, and, you know, teenagers Mm -hmm. are not you know, you can control teenagers, I believe. So back then, my problem was like, oh, young learners, maybe I wouldn't be able to control them. Because when you teach young learners, you teach the language and you teach discipline at the same time. And I was concerned, you know, when it comes to the latter, as a a teacher, of course, you have your own concerns. Um, So yeah, I, I, I worked for one year as a teacher, and then by the end of that year, um, I was promoted and I joined the teacher training department. Oh, wow. So only, only you became a teacher trainer after a year. That was, uh, that's really quick. Yes, but of course I had some like, te- I didn't like quick teaching. I had some classes going on. Sometimes, you know, when you apply some new techniques or try to apply something yeah. that you have recently learned, you have to apply this with students. Yes. Um, so, yeah. And I'm impressed that you say that teenagers are quite easy to teach. My experience is that they can be okay. quite a handful. But okay. what, what age were the teenagers that you were teaching? Were they kind of... Like 14 and above? Oh, right. 14. Yeah, that's That can be quite yes. the uh, difficult age, but that wasn't yeah. your experience. Yeah. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so can you talk a little bit about your work at the moment as a teacher trainer, as a teacher educator? I'd love to hear about the kind of teacher training you do. Um, all right. So my teacher training experience, as I told you, it, it started in 2017. Um, and I still give like teacher training uh, um, sessions, of course, but my main job right now ever since the beginning of this year is joining the academic directing field. Mm. And I believe that that was like a gradual, natural progress, teacher and then teacher trainer, and then you joined the academic uh, department or education management. Um, So with the teacher training, I I do some freelancing every now and then. Uh, That was like a full-time job for five years. Yeah. Until... um, January 2023, I had to join the, 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 the academic department as an education management okay. manager. And where is it that you work? You work with the in state school education or in private the private sector? 
All right. So what I do with the teacher trainings is that I train, of course, novice teachers who like to join the teach the teaching career and also experienced teachers. It doesn't matter from schools, universities, uh, centers, because like teacher training is like mm -hmm. everybody can learn. It doesn't really matter where they are, but what really is the age of, of the people that we're teaching. Yeah. So I got people joining uh, my trainings from schools, from uh, universities, um, like uh, centers that would teach English as a second language and of course novice teachers. Right, but generally have the teachers done any kind of teacher training qualification or they studied to be a teacher before they reach you or is is it are you taking them right at the beginning before they have any experience of teaching at all? Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, I've trained experienced people before. I've trained mm -hmm. people that, who got the TEFL, the TESOL, and I managed to add to, their, to them a lot because the the, the teacher training that I uh, provide is is totally CELTA-based, and it's considered to be like a mini CELTA preparation for those who are like um, who want to get the, the CELTA uh, one day. So uh, the, the training is designed to suit everybody's needs, uh, whether they were novice teachers or experienced teachers. Because right. I, I, I take them from um, practice to theory, sometimes from theory to practice. So everybody like gets to benefit from the training by the end of the day. Okay, great. And when it comes to teacher development, do you have mm -hmm. a special interest that you focus on? Or is it more general teacher training that you're involved in? Um, okay, when it comes to the, to the teacher's development, of course, it's really essential for us to have workshops and to join training every now and then. But then once the training is over, what do the teacher do? And that's basically what I do with my staff um, who actually work with me as, as, uh, as teachers. I make sure to have, you know, extended workshops, observe their, their lessons, for example, add more to them, uh, give them many resources for them to um, uh, maybe check or watch because learning is it's it's like a journey you can never stop stop learning um and it doesn't matter if you have a certificate or not if you decide to become an english teacher you have to make sure that you're um constantly developed uh by going the extra mile observing other classes um getting certificates um etc so the staff that i'm working with right now i just make sure that the learn journey keeps going by you know as i told you observing one another's um class uh attending webinars sometimes sometimes i would actually run uh workshops if i noticed that a certain teacher has a problem for example um with the teacher talk time they keep like talking a lot yeah we yeah. have to talk about this some ideas yeah and what kind of issues do you notice that teachers struggle with the most in your teacher training workshops? Is it teacher in time or is it other aspects? Oh, there are, of course, other aspects and other problematic areas. I would say contextualizing grammar lessons, that would be the top. Um, because some teachers believe that if I start the lesson telling them, okay, guys, today we're going to talk about the present simple and we use the present simple to, you know, talk about our daily routine, habits, fact and here's the rule now open the book and answer some questions that's the problem that i'm facing every single day because this is not the ideal way to explain grammar 
you want the students to, uh, you know, exposed to a meaningful context where they, uh, where you contextualize the lesson, maybe through a story, a text, a situation, so that, you know, digesting the idea of grammar, because let's face it, nobody likes grammar, nobody likes to be tested constantly. So you don't want to make their life more miserable by talking about the rule first. I mean, talking about yeah. the rule is, is essential, of course, but it should be the last thing to meant to be mentioned, if you know what I'm talking about. So that's number one, sadly. Um, contextualizing grammar lessons, they always go with the very academic way of explaining grammar and sometimes translation, which is catastrophic, using the first word. Um, so yeah, that's one area, of course, the teacher's talking time um and the students talking time they manage to lect they 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 tend to lecture the the students sadly and some students believe and oh maybe that's because when i listen to the teacher speaking uh language uh, uh the whole time I'm learning but we don't learn by listening do we um not really i think yes. well you can learn something by listening but definitely there's a lot of other Absolutely. ways of doing it of course. Absolutely. Yes. So do you find that the majority of the teachers who come to you have this sort of traditional kind of grammar based and even tran grammar translation based, as you mentioned, uh, approach? Yes. Yes. And it's not even the I mean, I would I would understand this area if, if the person applying for the job or the person that I'm observing is a novice teacher. Yeah, that's that's understandable. Because maybe they they don't know better. But the problem is, yeah. I yeah. I meet, and that's every single day. I meet certified teachers, and mm -hmm. once it's demo time, they do not apply the great approaches that they have learned, and they go back to uh, the traditional academic ways. Right, and mm -hmm. it, does this come from? Do you think the way that they learned uh, languages at school? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's it's one of the factors. Yes. Is that still sort of happening at the moment uh, in the school system? The kind of a traditional grammar, grammar translation based way of teaching languages. Absolutely, yes. You see this every single day, and mm. uh, and they just, in my point of view, they, they just get the certificates to be to be certified. That's it. They want the the, which is kind of shallow for me, in my opinion. You get the certificate to to benefit from that certificate and then you start applying the the approaches and the methods that you have learned in your classes properly but then when it's demo time i just keep asking them why didn't you use the text base for example where's the situational approach why did you go with this traditional way and the answer is never convincing that's the problem right so you find that is it that you find that you you're taking trying to persuade teachers to get out of that comfort zone of the that way that they're used to approaching the teaching of languages exactly and and to be fully honest with you some teachers they take the excellent or the amazing certificates um, out there to become better teachers but then once they start applying for other places or other schools the other schools follow different approaches so they end up the teachers they end up not using the approaches that they have learned and by time of course you forget the things that you learned so they forget everything that they learned uh, that sounds a shame so yeah. i think i mean is there any i'm guessing to kind of change that system would would take quite a lot of work and time absolutely that's the problem yeah okay 
And um, so other professional practices, do you think teachers need to develop them in, in Egypt? Um, they need to practice a lot because, yeah, knowing the theory, for example, behind things is, is fantastic. But you have to do you have to get your hands dirty. Um, you have to like uh, have many practices with like real students get observed by professional um, tutors or educators, get feedback and work on feedback. Uh, that's the like the, the best thing that any educator would do in order to um, develop um practice get feedback observe for example the the top teachers or the seniors in order to maybe steal a technique or two um into your classes and start you know applying them gradually um so yeah that'll be it wow and do you find that most of the training you do is is in el cairo or do you travel to, to train as well or, or train on online to other countries other places okay uh-huh well well i would say that most of my teacher training uh, like would be in egypt here but you know ever since corona and you like since we started the zoom thing uh it actually allowed me to train people from different countries around the world i haven't done the traveling yet to be honest but yeah that's in the agenda one day but ever since i i created um like an online teacher training agenda that allowed me to uh, train and meet different, like incredible teachers from different countries, uh, whether they were Arabs or not. So um, the online training um, has given me this uh, great opportunity. Wonderful. And how about when you, when you go outside of El Cairo to train teachers in other mm -hmm. parts of Egypt, do you mm -hmm. find differences in their experience or their approach um all right so so when it comes to other pe people from like different cities other than cairo um mm -hmm. i haven't like dealt with them face to face it was online yeah. and yeah. of course i have noticed uh like uh like differences uh because of the the, the tradition the background their expectations and i would say it was really challenging for me to uh you know, uh, face or uh, deal with because that was not the comfort zone anymore, but I had to go with it. And I have noticed that sadly in some of um, the, like some of the, the, the cities here um, in Egypt, uh, they didn't really focus on the teacher's language proficiency. Uh, that was like a big fact. Uh, I, I was like shocked when I knew that uh, it actually happens in some places where um, some teachers would be like, yeah, teachers at school and the professionacy wouldn't be more than A2, I would say. Mm -hmm. It was really challenging for me to run the, the the teacher training because I had to grade my language. I had to um, speak slower. I had to, uh, you know, let go of that fluent American accent that I have because they somehow, somehow they, they were unable to follow but they were extremely hardworking, mm -hmm. extremely passionate. They really appreciated the opportunity of learning something, developing themselves as teachers, uh, learning new approaches, new techniques. They were like, like they were willing to learn, passionate. They accepted feedback. They worked on feedback. But the only obstacle was the language. Right. Yeah, I think um, that story that you've just told about teachers and 
the teaching, for example, English and not having a high level of English is 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 found in lots of places, basically. Absolutely, yes. I think it's it's kind of, from what I can tell, it comes from the fact that it's very difficult to find uh, enough teachers with a sufficient level of English to be able mm-hmm. to teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, the demand far outstrips the the supply of English teachers in many places. I'm mm-hmm. guessing that's the same in Egypt. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah. And what about things like that situation has developed in countries that I, I know of, for example, because the social status of the English teacher in many cases isn't very high. And so a lot of a lot of or, or, or perhaps the actual salary that the teacher earns as, a, as an English teacher isn't high enough uh, for them and they find that working within if they have a high level of english they can work outside of the school system or the education and earn or have a sort of higher social status is that the case in egypt as well do you think well i would i would like yeah partially agree with with what you're saying because um i think that teachers are suffering (laughs) it's not only in egypt it's not only in like one country um it's like uh teachers are i would say underrated when it comes to a lot of things and and a lot of uh advantages uh, to be honest including the salary of course so yeah i would i would actually agree with that i mean some places here in egypt they would actually they 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 would pay well comparing to like the 90 percent um out there but from what i see um and from like a personal experience i would say that yeah some would actually prefer to travel to different countries for the same exact reasons that you have uh, mentioned uh, you know the, the the position for example the the place uh, that they that they will be working with and of course the salary um as well so they tend to for example if they work in a in, in a specific campus in, in egypt they would prefer to work in like at the same X, but in a different country, if you know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And what about, um, is it the, for example, do children in the school system in, in Egypt, are they obliged to learn English or can they decide languages to to learn? Or what age, if mm-hmm. they do learn English, what age do they usually start? Okay, I would say they would start like from kindergarten, uh, and it's a must to learn the English. They are obliged. To know. Uh, it's the second language, and in in some international schools, they would actually teach a third language as well: French, right. German, uh, like the different countries there. However, again, it depends on uh, the 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 school itself um, and some standards of living. Like some schools, for example, they wouldn't. They would teach you English, but the teacher, for example, um, does not have the 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 the, the proper language proficiency for right. teachers. So they end up, you know, teaching the kids with that humble English, and then the kids, of course, they would learn the the, the language with that uh, negative, uh, let's say. Uh, way or manner but again English it's 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 one of the main subjects that that young learners have to study here in Egypt but again if the school is is, is really uh, fancy I would say or, or in, in, in an international school yeah they would pay great attention to learning the language 
ever since like like starting from a very very young age right okay and what about your own development as a teacher educator do you find you spend a lot of time trying to keep up to date what kind of things do you do to keep on top of things that are changing etc yeah that's a good question well i make sure to like um read a lot um ask for feedback um get myself you know enrolled in a like a teaching or teacher training course and I try to make this balance like for example when I took the CELTA back in 2019 I made this promise that I will be squeezing every single benefit out of the CELTA in my mm -hmm. classes and even in my teacher training uh, uh, programs that I do uh, so like and so so from 2019 uh, 21 I was doing this and in 2021, I decided, okay, I'm ready to explore different horizons. I believe that I'm ready to the next step when it comes to like certificates or learning something new. That's why I got myself enrolled with the teacher, uh, train the trainer um, course with, with, with Cambridge. That was again in 2021. So right now, um, I believe that uh, it's time for me to, um, you know, learn something or or get myself enrolled in another uh, educational program, maybe re related to the education management, for example, or the Delta. Because again, it's not about how many certificates you have by the end mm -hmm. of the day. It's about what you do with, with, with those certificates. How, what is the added value? How of did course. you benefit from these uh, certificates? Um, practically speaking, uh, uh, you know, delivering the information to other people, others with the knowledge that you have leaving an infant of course getting more money right <laughs> of course <laughs> yes interesting yeah um and when it comes to being a teacher educator and being a teacher trainer what qualities do you think are needed? um so what does a teacher educator needs to what extent does a teacher educator needs to be a coach, a mentor, a trainer, a leader, for example? Okay. Mm -hmm. So of course there are like certain skills, uh, traits and knowledge that we have to be aware of as teachers, um, as coaches, as you mentioned, as teacher trainers. And of course it all starts like, like with the first step being a good teacher and being a good teacher um, as I told you earlier, you have to have certain traits. You have to be friendly, but not a friend. You have to be like uh, charismatic, confident, creative. You have, you know, you should know how to build great rapport with your uh, students, have good communication skills, time management, delivery skills. So again, traits, skills, and of course, the knowledge. You have to know the basics when it comes to teaching. Um, grammar, vocabulary, for example, uh, the, like to be able to differentiate as 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 a teacher, if if, if English is is your second language, uh, to differentiate between the tenses uh, properly, as because this is a great responsibility you have to you have to study, um, and you have to be aware of you know the mistakes correction, giving feedback. Uh, so again, traits, skills, and knowledge. So it would be the same exact thing if that teacher wants to join, for example, the coaching or maybe the supervision department that starts supervising other people. Now it's your role. Like when you were a teacher, you you used to have like some research about 
what are the different types of students and learners, something they have to look to, to, to search for. But as a trainer, for example, or as a supervisor or a mentor, now we have to take this to another level. Now we have to search for uh, what are the different types of teachers and how to deal with them. How would you give for teachers, for example? Like the, the teachers are with ego, I would say. And you have to be very careful and very smart giving them feedback, perhaps using the sandwich technique, starting with the great stuff that you have noticed and then moving gradually to the problematic areas and then finally talking about the great stuff that you have noticed with that uh, teacher. So again, uh, there's this talkative teacher, there's this troublemaker, there's this Mr. Know-it-all teacher. Similar to the students, I would say, because you have Mr. Know-it-all as a student, right? Yes, of course, definitely. I'd love yes. to hear a little bit more. You talk a little bit more about those types of teachers that you've come across. So uh -huh. the know it, the know it all teacher. Um, uh -huh. I'm guessing this is the teacher who um, who doesn't admit that they don't know anything to the students or or even to the teacher trainer. Is that the case? Yes, yes, that's absolutely the case. And you have to be smart because they, they they want to be appreciated but they never ask for that so so it's it's psychological it's a psychological in, in my opinion so you have to thank them whenever you they give you like uh, some insights or share their opinion thank them appreciate the input that they um add but then by the end of the day as a teacher trainer you have to add you have to add you have to come with this uh or maybe let's let's say present this new approach that you know for sure that this uh, uh, teacher doesn't know. I mean, why is he attending your training in, in the first place, right? Uh, of course, they they should be <laughs> open to learn something from you. Absolutely, absolutely. From the others. Um, so, what about the other types of teachers you mentioned? The 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 teacher who talks too much. How do you approach that? Yeah, well, of course, it starts also with thanking them, appreciating the input that they um, add to the classroom. Uh, but the thing is, the, the, the problematic areas here would be maybe wasting the time of the session or maybe the other colleagues wouldn't have like um, enough time to participate. So you have to play it smart with that individual. So when you notice that, yeah, this is the third time for them to exceed the minute with a nice smile on the face. Alex, all right, so how about you answer this question and you have one minute, Alex. So Alex would start speaking for one minute and in case they exceeded that one minute, you would actually smile and say, okay, that was incredible. Let's see if, if Muhammad has a different opinion here. So yeah, like these are the techniques that you have to learn by time uh, mm -hmm. so that you keep the classroom managed as you expect. Yes, and I guess you're hoping that through those examples the teacher will be able to apply the same kind of techniques to their own classroom rather than absolutely. talking at the students absolutely works with the teacher as well yeah what about other types so we've talked about two types of teachers the adult teacher and the talkative teacher do you find mm -hmm. teachers who are very underconfident come to you how how would you approach that the helping them yes we're all about like boosting their confidence and not like putting them under the spotlight because you will be crushing them however as teachers we shouldn't be that shy i mean there are some shy teachers who manage to get out of the comfort zone mm -hmm. uh, but there are some other teachers 
who cannot step out of the comfort zone. And once they stand or maybe start explaining, you would notice that they are stuttering, they're shaking, you barely can barely hear them. So we have two different categories here, a category that you can work with, that's from experience. Um, and when it comes to the category that you can develop and, and, and work with, yeah, you have to approach them, you have to boost their confidence, maybe you can pair them up with another talkative teacher, uh, um, gradually like, like motivate them uh, every now and then, appraise them every now and then, so that you, uh, um, yeah, they're stepping out of the comfort zone and they're working on uh, feedback properly. So that's when it comes to the category that you can work with or work on. Sounds good. And have there been any, what, so what has been, if, if I can ask you, what has been the most sort of difficult experience as a teacher trainer that you've come across and how did you overcome it? Um, I would say, like meeting different people from like different backgrounds. Uh, like for example, I, it's only one example that I always share here because yeah, it was really, really challenging. I remember um, in one of the teacher training courses that I was uh, running, there was this young lady who was uh, attending the training and she was a very good teacher, I would say. She worked on feedback, her techniques mm -hmm. were incredible. And, and she was, um, like she 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 knew exactly what to do like I, I would start showing a certain approach and then the next day she would come up following the same approach perfectly but the only problem that lady was um facing is that she made many pronunciation and grammar mistakes mm -hmm. so when it was my time of course to highlight these areas uh she didn't really take it well and i just mm. told her like I don't remember her name, but let's say that her name was Sarah. Sarah, you're a great teacher, but you need to work on one, two, three, four. And then she started saying, no, I haven't done these mistakes. I don't make these mistakes. Oh, really? Yeah. And and I I, I just sense that, uh-huh, so I might have a problem here. And the problem is the training is a pass or fail. When I was like in, in, in that stage of my life, the training was a pass or fail. And there were some criteria that would help the teacher to pass or fail. And one of them was the language inaccuracies. So sadly... By day four, I delivered the news and and she didn't like expect like she didn't accept that well. And then she said that uh, I rejected her because of her clothes. Of her clothes, really? Yeah. Yeah. So that was really, really, really hard for me to digest for ex back then. And uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it disappointed me that she, she, she thought about it that way. So she thought that um, I, like, uh, um, I discriminated whatever according to her standards because she was uh, like super conservative. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, here, some, some ladies here in Egypt, they, they cover up entirely and there's yeah. absolutely yeah. nothing but that. But she yeah. thought that, yeah. yeah, that's the reason you're doing this because I'm a conservative lady. Oh, really? Yeah. So she yeah. was in, so there's two things there. I think maybe if you, if you, this is a good, uh sort of take on it is um that she was in denial about the language errors pronunciation exactly. mistakes that she was making but also she had maybe through her experience of being sort of criticized was aware of 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 discrimination against her in the past she was basically yeah. assuming that the reason why you were going to fail her was because of 
superficial aspects such as her dress rather than the real uh real mm -hmm. reasons absolutely i mean that was the case exactly you know it um she was rejected from like uh she was rejected when she applied to certain places and they were like clear about it we cannot accept you here because of the clothes or the how conservative you are mm. so she thought that it's the same thing with me and also when she used to work in and like in a certain place the supervisors there never mentioned anything about her language so she was shocked okay. when she um, knew that from me that's interesting that idea of i mean i think all teachers we need to become a lot more self-aware don't we uh, absolutely to be able to understand i mean every every teacher can improve can be better or teacher mm -hmm. educator can be better as well mm -hmm. um, exactly we need to be open to change and to have people basically criticizing us to a certain extent don't we so if absolutely. not then we're never going to actually recognize where we need to develop and make and improve sure absolutely that was the case so i think that that was the most challenging situation ever because it was like personal and she crossed her lines uh you know mm. giving that feedback to me it was not like a decent way of expressing her anger no, no. she was no it wasn't it was quite a conflictive way of yeah. of, of of her reacting to feedback that you were given in good faith exactly exactly so and, and you know yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Um, you'll remember that question, right? Which question? You were about to say something, I think. Oh, yeah, I'll remember it. So, yeah, I think yeah, you, you meet different teachers every single day and, and you shouldn't be expecting anything, to be honest. Uh, so so you meet like some meet like this, this teacher who's like way older than you. And whenever they step mm -hmm. in the class and they see a, a 20 year old, maybe a lady or Mm -hmm. I'm 31 now, but you know, I had my time when I was like 20 something as a teacher trainer and having someone mm -hmm. who's in late 40s or late 50s. And they used to like give you that look. Oh, my God, my trainer is a kid. So I used to have these looks every now and then. But it wasn't challenging because once you're confident, knowledgeable and you, you have your way when it comes to your delivery skills, nobody can can utter, utter a word, I would say. It depends on the knowledge that you have, how you deliver feedback, how confident you are. And it doesn't matter if you have someone who's younger or older than you. That I would say. I think I think ageism is a real um a real can be a real problem with in, in certain mm -hmm. situations and stuff. You know, just as as you say that there are there are older people who feel that they can't learn from younger people. Um that's yes. definitely the case where you have teachers with a lot of experience. In in theory, they have a lot of experience, but I always remember someone saying something like, instead of having 30 years experience in the classroom, year of experience repeated 30, exactly. 30 times, which exactly. if you never try to develop as a teacher, if you never try to get better or try new things or try to understand how you can do things, uh, how you can improve, then that's the case that you just repeating the same sort of mistakes in the way on you exactly exactly couldn't agree more and then of course you do also have um, you see that generally with students and teachers 
sometimes where you get an attitude problem. This is what I was to go back to teenagers. I've seen this in teenagers yes. where they think, what can I learn from you? You you don't understand me and my generation kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that, that's, that's I'm guessing. Case, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm guessing you also see that as a teacher trainer. Uh, sometimes you know people Absolutely. coming in who are younger or older than you or for what reason they're from a different background um and they have a kind of set idea um mm-hmm. rather than being open-minded that's probably one of the most difficult things to change isn't it to get mm-hmm. people to sort of take a very different look at things that challenge their sort of set viewpoints mm-hmm. about how life is yes yeah fascinating the the question i was going to ask you a little bit off the track but back to that uh team that you had in your class who who um claimed you were criticizing or you were giving her or failing her because of the way she looked or the way she mm-hmm. dressed. um how did that work out did she did she just leave and um or, or were you able to persuade her? I'm imagining she just left. Is that right? Of course she left. And I tried to have a decent conversation with her. I tried to reassure her and she refused to even answer my call. Mm. Um, and I just felt like, okay, so there's a misjudgment here. She kind of victimized herself. And I would clearly say that, yeah, she must have like she has been through a lot because as I told you she applied to different places and she was rejected for the same reason so she thought that yeah I'm doing the same exact thing with her she did not allow me to um, communicate with her that's why it was super harsh for me because other kids when I have you know misunderstandings or any conflicts we talk to each other and, and things are like um, you know you would finally reach a solution by the end of the day as you mentioned, she left and she sent a big, e- like a big fat email to the HR and she CC'd me. And my response was because it, it was like an unprofessional email. My response to that email was um, like I, I mentioned all the typos and all the grammar mistakes that she uh, did in that email. And I replied, that was my response. I did not respond to anything that she uh, like mentioned or maybe any accusations because it was too late for that. She didn't allow it to happen yeah. like uh, yeah. in a healthy manner. So my response was uh, like replying back to the email, but mentioning every single typo grammar mistake out there she she mentioned. So, yeah, she she left. And I think that she still hates me until this very moment. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a shame, isn't it? But there yes. are some situations that sounds like one that you know you you have to kind of just accept that uh the person isn't going to change their mind and uh you have to then decide you know it's not worth the time or the effort to try and or we don't have we have a limited amount of time and effort that we can spend on on people if they're not able to sort of you give them an opportunity to see what uh what you think they need to do or or change and Mm -hmm. they can accept it or reject it. If they reject it, when it's very difficult. I think the important thing is to, as you said, you've done is to put the evidence in front of the person. Say, Mm -hmm. look, this is not my opinion. Mm -hmm. Just these are the 
look, this is the language you used uh, mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's not how I, you know, I'm not, this is the, this is what I noticed. Yes, it's never personal. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of difficult when someone actually wants to take something personally is it in any kind of conflict. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to ask you now about your move into academic management. When mm -hmm. was it that you kind of decided, hmm, this is an area I actually enjoy and think I have a lot to offer? Mm -hmm. um, well, it was... Um like uh december i would say december 2022 uh, mm -hmm. i was like yeah maybe I, I got some people reaching me and they offered the position and it was the first time for me ever to like work as an academic uh, director of the education management and i thought that you know what uh, let's let's go for this i i think that this is uh, an incredible scope this is an incredible field that i can learn a lot from um I, I do love teacher training courses it's like my true passion but i felt mm -hmm. like yeah it's it's the it's it's the next logical and natural step in my career i all started in like january 2023 um and this is like nine months so far i would say um so so yeah now now thinking about it from uh, i think about it from a different aspect like now it's not about um uh, teacher developments anymore it's about um management education management talking to different departments uh, uh perhaps selecting the best candidates for the for the te for, for the teaching position or the staff that i'll be working with um moving maybe choosing the the, the right curricula for the place um creating a system from scratch uh, uh, that was like a new challenge and um I found myself learning from um, like other people, other managers, and uh, it, it it worked so far. It's, I think it's working well, but I, but I I feel like yeah, it's 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 the time for me to it's time for me to um, explore more uh, when it comes or regarding the education management and and people recommended the the Delta. It would help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I believe that this is going to be uh, the next step um, for the time being. Okay, and what do you think you would say have been your biggest challenges over the course of the last year or so when you've been transitioning into academic management? What things have you think do you think you've been challenged by? Um, I believe meeting different people. Uh, or different managers from different backgrounds than mine or different visions than mine. Uh, so, you know, uh, sometimes you have like a very good friend at work, but um, you just disagree or maybe agree with their visions and, and missions, for example. So that's like the biggest challenge that I'm facing right now is that I have to deal with different types of managers. See, so different types mm -hmm. of students, different types of teachers, different types of managers. Um, and and uh, it was it was challenging. But what I do is that I never stop reading, like, for example, how to deal with, um, for instance, uh, a teacher, for example, or a manager that doesn't communicate well or a teacher that really communicates well or maybe someone who's um, you you always disagree with regarding uh, managerial decisions. Um, mm -hmm what to do what not to do that this is the biggest challenge for the time being other than that i i find myself um 
strongly relying on my experience as a teacher trainer uh, somehow when it comes to the education, like the, the, the education itself, uh, when it comes to the best thing for the, the staff in order to like create um, balance. I want staff that I'm working with to feel comfortable, not to feel overwhelmed because, you know, as teachers, it's super easy for us to be overwhelmed the whole time. So what are the, 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 the best working hours for me to um, provide? How about the breaks? How about the, the vacations maybe? Uh, how about the rate? Um, um, how about the students themselves that they're dealing with? How about the curricula that they deal with? So that's what I try to do is to create the best teaching environment and to make the teachers happy because once you make the teachers happy, the students will definitely be be happy and grateful as well. Of course, of course. And do you find there's a a lot of um, things that are, com uh, are are similar to between teaching, teacher training, and academic management? There's a lot of crossover areas, or do they require? Does it require very different skill sets to be an academic manager? Um, well, as I mentioned earlier, I, I found myself um, re like strongly re relying on the previous experiences that I had. And I, I just sometimes I find myself thinking as a teacher, not as a manager. If I were a teacher and, and this and that happened how would I take this? What's the reaction? Mm -hmm. So of course, there are a lot of similarities, as I told you, and I try to learn from maybe previous mistakes that I've seen with different companies or Pat, like, yeah, different experiences with different companies and do the polar opposite with the staff that I'm working with. Um, because I find thinking as a teacher sometimes, and it helps making, um, like a like helps making a lot of decisions to be honest the only differences or some of the differences would be as i told you um is maybe like uh, uh having like different meetings regarding different projects for example that didn't used to happen in the past because i was involved in the in the in the training uh um thing the whole time but now it's different because i get to decide now i get to uh, for example choose the best um, curriculum, whether it's ESP or general um, curriculum for the teachers to work with. I get to talk to students and get feedback regarding several things. Um, and, and from the feedback, I try to create something better for them and for the teachers as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that'll be it. Right. And I heard you talk about being involved in teacher recruitment as well. Um, yes, exactly. How, how has that been? kind of uh what how's that been and what do you look for when you're trying to decide whether a teacher is good for the job really apart from of course the obvious that they can speak good english absolutely yeah so so basically the, the second interview is always with me um and i get to um you know observe a lesson that they uh were asked to demonstrate and according to the lesson i get to assess um, certain criteria, um, the delivery skills, the approaches that they have used. And yeah, of course, the language is going to be one of them, um, their personality, their character. And um, are they good with the online gamification uh, world or not? Because 
uh, it's really essential for you to have this background if you want to apply as an online um, English language teacher. So I get to act as a student and perhaps um, mention or, or bring up real life to see how would that person handle the situation because we shouldn't be teaching only. We should be able to build rapport, um, motivate the other the, the student, um, handle the inquiries with confidence. And even when you don't have the answer to that question, you shouldn't be giving any answer. You have to be 100% sure that this is the accurate or this is the correct answer. And according to the assessment, um, I would actually determine if this person is ready to join us or not. And if they're not ready, I always make sure to give them feedback and ask them to reapply again. Right. Yeah. I've I'm, I've done quite a bit of teacher recruitment before and actually teachers working online as well. And one of the things that, um, that, uh, that I found was was actually the online aspect of things. You can pretty much teach the teachers to do quite well, mm -hmm. um, but it's actually their their teaching skills. If they don't have the basics of their teaching skills, if they don't come across being a good communicator, for example, if they're not clear with their um, the way that they present their thoughts. Um, in Absolutely. response to questions, that's the most difficult thing because that's the thing that's mm -hmm. going to confuse the students, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes, I totally agree with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you mentioned gamification. I'd love to hear more about how you use gamification um, in your educational environment. Do you use it as a teacher trainer or is it just you're looking at helping teachers use it with their students? Well, I would say like both uh, if it's like an online teacher training course i make sure to gamify uh like most of the things that i show to the learn to this because i want them to apply these things in their actual classes i make sure that i provide or i give them all the resources or the links the websites that they can use in order to um for example gamify a certain activity or task a control practice like a free practice even, or maybe an icebreaker, for instance. So that's what I do or if it's an online teacher training course. And um, when it comes to um, like actual teachers, like I, this is like an example that happened uh, last week. I had this incredible teacher who applied and I got to like observe her lessons so that uh, I would accept her, like like make her join us. And the approaches were were incredible. Um, her teacher's personality was great, and she was creative. She used the the needed approaches that I asked for. But the only problem is that she kept uh, share screening handouts, handouts, handouts handouts and I mean there's nothing wrong with that but if it's an online class you have to have this different like like different varieties right it shouldn't yeah. be like a handout every single time okay you know what to fill in the gaps you know what choose the correct answer you know what do this so I I mentioned that in the post-observation uh, feedback and I told her yeah everything is well. I need to see you again and I need to see how you'd actually gamify this lesson so that it would like uh, match or suit the needs of the class. So you have to like consider that and put that in mind. And I would see you next week. So she was open to feedback and let's see how she would gamify the lesson. 
Okay, so have that uh, coming up next week then. Yes. Oh, great. Well, I, I, I it sounds like um, it could. She could be a very good candidate. So I hope he yep. has adapted it. Yes. So, Hala, um, what about advice you would give to teachers who would like to do either teacher education or academic management? What, what advice would you give to them? I would say they have to read a lot because sometimes you find this incredible teacher, incredible teacher, but once he joins a managerial position, um, they fail, sadly. Mm -hmm. Maybe because they were not ready, they haven't done enough uh, research, they haven't explored, they haven't learned something. So they make incredible teachers, but they have to make sure that they are ready for leadership roles they are ready to um, deal with different category management you're not dealing with students anymore so you have to explore different horizons uh, as uh, an educator so I would say research uh, they have to do a lot of research they have to read and they have to follow uh, um, you know uh, people who uh, leave impact uh, you know from similar positions mm -hmm. and it's never too late to like keep uh, uh, like getting certificates or maybe getting themselves selves enrolled in some beneficial courses uh, regarding maybe the education management uh, whatever that is they, they have to be willing to learn constantly and they have to keep to keep asking people so have this question in mind ask the learn from the people who have experience because it's it's when you ask somebody who has experience they would help you a lot uh you know regarding making many decisions because you learn from the best very good advice thank you and um i'd like to finish our conversation by exploring a little bit and asking you a little bit more about your experience as a novelist Okay. which uh, you you mentioned. So yes. how did you start? Is that something you've always wanted to do? How did you start? And what kind of fiction do you write? Um, well, it started at a very young age. I used to like write stories and show the stories to my friends and sometimes poetry. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bookworm, I would say. So I love reading. Sometimes when you yeah. read yeah. a lot, you develop this writer inside you. So that's exactly what happened with me. So when I reached, when I was I think, a sophomore or something at college, I wrote the first novel and it was romance that the genre I would say, like, mm -hmm. yeah, it was romance, you know, because as, as, as a college student, that's, that's the safest option that yeah. you would go with a romance. And then I thought, you know what, this shouldn't be uh, shared only with the family and, and friends I have to make strangers read this mm -hmm. um so I talked to the family and I told them you know I'm ready to publish uh this book so I had some people to talk to and they um viewed uh, they, re they reviewed and they read the novel and it was published in 2014 that's the first one Mm -hmm. um and then two years later I I published the second one and it was like a drama it was a romance and the third one it's it's a little bit it's also drama I would say drama but it's a little bit controversial uh, when it comes to the, the to the like Arabs or the, the the Arab society and I'm currently working on the fourth so wish me luck 
So how how could you explain a little bit more about what you said about it being controversial? In what ways is it controversial? All right. So you know that um, the Arabs, um, of course, they come from different grounds. We have mm -hmm. traditions, we have cultures. Yeah. So when it comes to some views and, and point of views regarding women, um, mm -hmm. you know, women, women are, 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 some of the women are victims here. So I had to fight, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, these ideas without being a feminist because I'm not. So that was mm -hmm. really challenging for me to talk about some, uh, um, you know, controversial talks related to, the, the, you know, women and, and their relationships, uh, um and uh without being called uh, a, a feminist or maybe me hating men and all of these things because i don't um we, so yeah it's, it's controversial when it comes to the to, to the to the arab to the egyptian to the emirati to the saudi arabian society right. uh, yeah so you have to read between the lines in order to understand that yeah it makes sense mm-hmm mm -hmm. um, i mean i'm I think, from what I know, I think there are certain aspects of uh, different countries. There's quite a lot of differences between different countries, different Arab societies, aren't there? As far as their treatment of women uh, mm -hmm. can range from the more strict to the more liberal. Exactly. And is that is that what you're exploring in the novel? Or... Yes, that's what I'm exploring in the novel, is that when a woman make a certain mistake it doesn't make her a bad person because we're all human beings mm -hmm. uh this woman was a kid one day and she used to watch a lot of cartoons she might be one of your friends at school playing with you in the in the, in the play yard so stop judging because you're not her and and right. people forget that we're humans and we make mistakes and they start attacking one another and judging one another and sadly those person people who who attack usually make similar mistakes and that's crazy mm -hmm. that's really crazy so they're suddenly saints and they start attacking and accusing other people but mm -hmm. if you like if you know like one percent like if you know what they do um in the dark you'd be surprised because why are you accusing her why are you, are you accusing them you make the same mistakes but the only difference here is that, that nobody knew about your mistake yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as a woman who has become an academic manager, who is involved in teacher training, who, from what it, from what you've said, has been able to rise quite quickly to be able to have a, a an influential position, do you find you have any pushback from because of that um or is it not been a problem in your professional life you mean as a woman as a woman yeah well yeah i mean of course it, it has been the case and mm -hmm. uh, i've noticed this tremendously uh when i when i started the the first book for example mm -hmm. so you the first book was like romance the, the genre and then people say yeah that's her life story she's talking about herself mm. so why why did you assume that it doesn't make any sense if i talk about two people it doesn't make, mean that the 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 the, the protagonist for example is me so that was the beginning and then once i started 
you know, sharing my opinion about certain things and, 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 you know, uh, trying to fight some of the toxic traits that happen or maybe that are seen in, 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 in Arab uh, households, for example, uh, they had different interpretation about this matter, believing that um, you want women to take over. You're, you're trying to make the man uh, a weaker creature. You're trying to make women stronger creatures. And that's not the case because men and women have different responsibilities. And I believe that they shouldn't be equal. I mean, a man is a man and a woman is a woman. And that's my opinion. And everybody should be held responsible. Everybody has his own uh, like responsibilities and duties. And it's, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean whenever I talk about the women, women's rights is that I'm trying to make people ignore men's rights. So uh, I, 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 people attack a lot, especially on Instagram. Whenever I write something for women, they just keep calling me a feminist every now and then. And it's really, it's really, it's really sad to be honest, because it's, I'm, I'm talking about the common sense and not like mm -hmm. men, deserve respect and men and women deserve respect as well but once i mention men women they just keep attacking me right away so this is oh, when yeah. it comes to yeah this is when it comes to me as as a novelist as a writer when it comes to me as a manager i wouldn't say that it it, it happens constantly but sometimes you know from previous experience with different companies i just had this feeling that some people were, were trying to un, like underestimate uh, or maybe belittle my potential because uh, I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. um, so whenever I don't follow a certain decision or whenever I ask about or maybe I wouldn't say debate, but sometimes it's really essential for me to understand the why. So whenever I ask for a why, they just didn't take it well. Okay. Mm -hmm. Understand. And just one one thing you mentioned you said you're not a feminist. Um, is that term you think is that term not something you you embrace for reasons because it has negative context now, at least in your um, cultural experience, or is it just something you feel strongly about for other reasons? Mm -hmm. Well, I believe that women, and that's my opinion. There's absolutely no need for them to be feminist if they are to talk about their rights and about the the the, the things that they deserve in, in, in the society, for example, or the community. There's nothing wrong with that. And I believe that the terminology, the term itself, doesn't make sense to me because respecting anybody's rights mm -hmm. and respecting anybody's humanity, this is life. It shouldn't be under any category, right? It shouldn't be like feminist, mm -hmm. not feminist, it shouldn't be and and some women sadly they just go beyond the extra mile uh when it comes to that um term and sadly they are the same very women so they keep shouting the whole time we're equal we can live without men we're fully independent but when it's war when it's war nobody you will not going to find any women outside they're going to be inside their houses freaked out and waiting for the men to do something so that's the irony here if there's something happened for example or they wouldn't they wouldn't they wouldn't be like as strong as they uh assume to be okay 
very very interesting um <laughs> i've really enjoyed talking to you hala uh today and hearing about your experience and your journey which i think has been it's been great i think uh you know you've really uh you've developed in such a way that is uh quite a model i think in in education from yeah. teacher very quickly from teacher to teacher teacher trainer to to academic manager etc and mm -hmm. um i think a lot of what you've said will resonate and be useful for the teachers to hear so mm -hmm. thank you very thank much thank you very much i really enjoyed talking to you and um answering those questions uh, sharing my experience and i think that uh, it's it's a great opportunity for for people from different countries all over the world to like speak about their experiences with you and and share them with other educators from different countries as well so thank you very much for this great opportunity i really really enjoyed my time and maybe we can do it again so definitely yeah it's been a pleasure talking to you hala and good luck with the publication of your next novel as well thank you very much thank you okay thanks a lot it's time for a fresh start to language learning Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCS builds a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an of an appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFLGCSE24. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. BBC News reports on GCSE results and the impact resits in English and maths could have on post-16 providers. According to figures it has published on the news website, over 167,000 pupils in England received grade 3 or below in maths, whilst 172,000 failed English language. The number of pupils not achieving grade 4 in English language is highest for a decade. The Association of Colleges has estimated that the extra GCSE resits could cost around £16 million for the year and highlighted the yo-yo effect the pandemic has had on resits, making planning a huge challenge. Julie McCulloch of Education Askell said resits were demoralising for students and reform of English and maths qualifications was badly needed. Last year, only 20% of those retaking a maths GCSE achieved grade 4 or above. The BBC also reported on GCSE pass rates in England, Wales and Northern Ireland as falling. The drop was steepest in England, but in Wales and Northern Ireland, grades were always meant to be higher. Analysis on the news website also indicates that in England, the gap between regions lowest and highest proportions of GCSE passes has grown, and that state schools had a steeper fall in pass rates than in private schools. Schools Week features a story on A-level results and the widening attainment gap between North and South. According to data published on its website, the North East now has the lowest proportion of A-star and A-grades, lower than pre-pandemic levels, at 22%. At the same time, London and the South East have recorded the biggest rises when compared to 2019.
Labour's shadow schools minister said the results showed the failure of the government's levelling up agenda. The article discusses a range of factors which could contribute to the disparity across the best and worst performing regions, including existing long-term deprivation exacerbated by the pandemic, food insecurity made worse by the cost of living crisis, and more usual factors such as attendance, device access and the use of catch-up schemes. Full details can be found on the Schools Week website. The Guardian also takes a look at academic outcomes for pupils, this time through the lens of those referred to social services during childhood. It states that this suggests these pupils are twice as likely to fail GCSE maths and English than other pupils. Data from a three-year period found 53% of teens who had been referred to social care did not achieve a grade four pass in both the GCSE subjects. This is in contrast to 24% in those not subject to a referral. The analysis was carried out by the charity Action for Children. It is the first study to examine data for children with a referral rather than just those who receive support. Around 318,000 children a year are referred to social care, although many do not meet thresholds to receive support. The Guardian also featured comments from school leaders on the impact high levels of absence and poor mental health of pupils have had on outcomes for some. Many cited a lack of formal support for pupils and their families, contributing to further strains on school staff, as they tried to plug gaps usually filled by other services, such as social care and the NHS. On from its examination of regional disparity in academic outcomes in regions, Schools Week also reports on proposals for elite six forms being given the go-ahead. The Eaton Star 16 to 19 Free Schools, a collaboration between Eaton College and Star Academies, will open in Dudley, Teesside and Oldham. This is part of the 15 new free schools announced by government in the last week. The aim is to improve education standards and get more pupils from the North and Midlands to Oxbridge. The Sixth Form Colleges Association has, however, warned that more sixth forms could lead to existing high-performing provision being unnecessarily disrupted. Eton College will provide financial and extracurricular support through its partnership with STAR. Education Secretary Gillian Keegan commented on the 15 new schools saying, we want to make good school places available to families. The 15 schools also include two new university technology colleges, the first to be approved in five years, Brit School North to be opened in Bradford. The sixth form sector has reacted to the new plan saying that in the 55 education investment areas there are already enough colleges and school sixth forms in the areas to meet need. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Welcome back everyone and this brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you very much to today's special guest, Hala al Matari, and all of you who joined us live. And so that's it from me for this week. There are Teachers Talk radio shows all week on all manner of interesting topics. So please listen in live or to the recordings. And I hope you will enjoy, uh, you will join me again soon. Bye for now.
You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing you next time. Teachers Talk Radio.